you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you from an echoey hotel room. So apologies for that. Uh, I do want to shout out, however, the Ultimate NFL Preview Show. This is really similar to the Ultimate Mock Draft thing that we did uh, for the draft. It is a partnership with Odyssey. It starts August 30th and it goes through September 8th. And we are previewing every division in the ultimate style, where all of the division hosts will get together and preview the division and all that stuff. It is a separate podcast feed. It is called the Ultimate NFL Preview Show. You can find that on the Odyssey app, uh, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or on uh, anywhere else where you find your favorite shows. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show is on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. And, of course, the main topic of the day is the unceremonious release of wide receiver Warren Jackson. No, they played a preseason game. They did do a couple of cuts. Uh, Warren Jackson and Dylan Maven were released. They have a few more to make by Tuesday. We'll talk about those when they happen. They'll, they have to get the roster down to 80, so they have three more cuts to make by my estimation. But the real talk of the day has to be the preseason game against the Colts. Vikings lose 10 to 12. We don't really care about that. What we care about is, you know, the individual evaluations and how we can use this to kind of uh, help preview the Vikings, right? It was a little bit of a dress rehearsal game. They didn't go all the way through to the uh, end of the first half. The starters didn't, um, but they did play, I think, like three series, three or four series. Uh, so pretty good sampling from everybody. So we'll talk about all of that. And uh, we'll also talk about some of the deep roster stuff that happened, the things I noticed and all that stuff. Uh, when I watched and then, you know, noticed on rewatch as well. But I guess there's there's two headlines for me with this uh, that I, I want to go over, and they're both on offense. The first headline is that the quarterbacking was horrible, uh, and then the second headline is a positive one, which is that the offensive line looked really, really good. So to talk more about that first one uh, the, with the quarterbacking, right, it was not a very good Kirk Cousins game at all. I think PFF graded him in like the 40s or something like that. It was kind of like the last time Kirk Cousins played the Colts. Uh, he was hyper conservative, threw, you know, four yards short of the sticks on third down with, you know, three guys in front of him, just kind of operating on what seemed like autopilot. Uh, he didn't throw any picks or anything or, or have any like super unsafe plays, but it was just like Kirk dialed down to one. Uh, and there just wasn't a lot of juice there, you know. How concerned should you be about that? Eh, I don't know. No Dalvin Cook, no Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen left the game early with a thigh bruise. Should be all right. Um, he was seen, like, slamming his helmet on the sideline. I think Jim Suhan pointed that out. And I think that was when he got told he wasn't going to play the rest of the game. I think uh, Adam Thielen's probably a little bit ready to be done with injury stuff. But, you know, with, without, like, a lot of the main weapons and stuff and the offense that they were operating um, was still a lot of timing, quick, very West Coasty. I'm a little concerned that it's, like, very clear that they're, you know, these are their core concepts, but I, I would like to see them test some more aggressive concepts um, at, at some point. Any 
point at all. Uh, it's kind of concerning that there's not a lot of you know deep attempts at all in the whole offense, and it kind of leads me to wonder what exactly Clint Kubiak's plan is. Gary Kubiak's offenses were pretty aggressive. Uh, you know, they would throw deep, in, in that's what I mean by aggressive. They would, have, like, go for more explosive plays. Seems like Clint Kubiak's explosive, like, I haven't seen the attempt at an explosive play yet. I've seen the, let's get the routine gain of five and kind of dink and dunk our way down the field, um, almost in, like, a West Coasty sense. But, like, I, I want to see a little more. Uh, but that isn't really here nor there on, on Kirk Cousins. Cousins just didn't play very well. He just kind of didn't, he, he showed really poor awareness of down and distance. I think that's like my main critique. Um, and I think he only completed, what, like five, six passes. So it was just a, a really tough one, tough to get uh, the, the offense going like really at all. Um, but then it got a lot worse with uh, Jake Browning and Kellamon. Jake Browning was putrid. He played three drives. He also only completed five or six passes. He bailed on clean pockets. His He read the field unbelievably slowly. Uh, he held the ball way too long and it invited pressure because of that. The broadcast was pointing that out all the time. Um, and he was horrifically inaccurate on what should be routine throws. There's you know, missing a, a deep post or, or a go ball where you overthrew it. That's a tough pass. You know, you're only going to kind of drop half of those in the bucket, even if you're Aaron Rodgers. Um, but you got to hit the swing pass, man. You got to hit the quick outs. And he had, I mean, he was had Chad Beebe like six feet over his head. Um, and, and he had open receivers and stuff. It, it just was completely a non-functional offense with Jake Browning. If that's what the Vikings have to look forward to, and I have been making this argument, you you guys now got to see kind of what I saw in camp. If this is what we have to look forward to, if Kirk Cousins has to miss any time for any reason, this is really, you can't do that. You can, you cannot trot that guy out on the field. And it got me kind of thinking about like uh, Sean Mannion, and Manny, I mean, he's not a particularly inspired quarterback, but uh, he's rosterable. And I wouldn't say that about Jake Browning right now. I would be, I would have been scouring the the trade market two weeks ago. I am now declaring a state of emergency on the backup quarterback role. And unfortunately, there's another guy that's supposed to take over that mantle, which is Kellen Mond. And Kellen Mond also still is just not ready. Um, you know, he he read the field just as slowly as Browning. Obviously, he has an excuse that Browning does not have uh, in terms of, you know, experience. Um, Mond, I mean, he has a scramble, he has his legs and stuff, but he was, like, just inaccurate. I, I mean, Mond played better than Browning, uh, but that's a pretty low bar to clear. Uh, and he just isn't seeing the field, I don't think. I just don't think that he has the plays down. And that's fine, he doesn't, well, I, I don't know, at this point, I'm a little concerned. But he seemed, I, I use the word skittish again in the pocket. There's a, a kind of antsiness and nervousness to it all. Um, but at least, you know, he got the guys to the line of scrimmage, right? That's kind of something I, I talked about last week that I, I just wanted to see that. I wanted to see you get, you know, operationally a little better. I think there was one false start on Zach Bailey, maybe. And that's about it. And he did it in a two-minute drill, too. Um, and I, I got to kind of think about the two-minute drills being the, the kind of only time that the offenses worked and Browning had one and Kellen Mond had one in like a half. 
two minute drills and uh well mon's two minute drills didn't go very well but browning actually got the vikings down the field uh for a hail mary attempt that fell hilariously short but part of that is you know soft coverage in a two minute drill um you know defenses are playing it a little bit differently but browning looked a little faster in that two minute drill and looked like he was kind of thinking a little less so i think these guys are all just wound up way too tight and they just got to loosen up a little bit but that comes with comfort with the system and i'm i don't have a lot of high hopes that browning will get any more comfortable with the system he's been in for three years uh but i guess you know we can hope that kellen mon gets a little bit more comfortable as time goes on but i want to talk about the o-line i want to talk about the defense uh so let's move on to all of that but first it is that time of year all eyes are turning to football as we gear up for a new season and as always bet online is your one stop shop for all pro and college football action get all the updated odds props and contest including online's biggest half million dollar nfl mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar nfl survivor contest open now at bet online head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today that's all free and easy and you can get a hundred percent welcome bonus be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo equals make a bet on the thursday September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's move on and talk about the rest of the offense. Obviously, really difficult to evaluate the wide receivers. Looked like Amir Smith-Marset was getting open a lot, but then, you know, the ball would sail past him or it would, you know, the quarterback wouldn't find him. Um, That was especially true of Kellen Mond. He was missing open receivers all the time and just not really going through the progressions the way he was supposed to. So when guys were getting open, it wouldn't matter. Chad Beebe had a couple of catches. K.J. Osborne had a couple of catches. But again, the wide receivers became a little bit more difficult to evaluate. But the O-line is kind of a headline for me because the starting O-line, at least, the backup O-line was meh. Uh, but the starters, Oli Udo, Ezra, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury specifically, kicked DeForest Buckner's ass. Like, they were good against him. And that there has kind of always been this problem with the way, uh, you know, when we're previewing Viking seasons of the interior offensive line and going, well, everybody kind of has their elite nose tackle now or their elite defensive tackle. Everybody's got a DeForest Buckner somewhere. Uh, There's just a lot of them in the league. It's a good defensive line crop right now. And so you'd kind of go through games and you'd be like, okay, in like 10 of these, you're going to have a guy like Aaron Donald come to town or, you know, or Buckner or Kenny Clarkin or Akeem Hicks or whatever. And they're going to, like, kill... Well, they just handled it to Forrest Buckner. Maybe we don't have to go through the schedule that way again. Uh, so that was really, really encouraging to see. Brian O'Neill had a good game, too. Rashad Hill, not so good. He gave up a sack, and I clocked a couple other mistakes in the run. On the whole, I'm pretty happy with the offensive line. They protected well. The run game was humming. Um, I mean, they were running for 9-10 a pop on a Colts defense that's supposed to be pretty stout with Darius Leonard and, and Buckner and everybody else on that defense. It's supposed to be a good run defense, and the Vikings kind of clobbered him in that way. And then when it became time to pass, you know, you had all these issues in the past that were somewhat play-calling, somewhat Kirk Cousins. Sometimes guys wouldn't get open, whatever, right? Uh, and 
but I, I, I really did like the way that the offensive line played. In terms of the backup unit, eh, uh, wasn't particularly impressed. Br- Blake Brandle, unfortunately, had a really rough game, which sucks. I was rooting for him so hard uh, because he's kind of on the roster bubble now after having a good game against the Broncos, and then he just kind of fell apart. Um, he got his butt kicked a, a bunch of times. I, I thought Mason Cole was still fine. There was no Drew Samia in this game, so Kyle Hinton came in. He ended up with a good PFF grade, but I did not like what I saw from him. I, I thought he overset a little bit too much, and I guess, I don't know, PFF just like didn't punish him for those reps or something, or maybe there were other great reps that I missed or something like that. But I didn't love what I saw from Kyle Hinton, which sucked. Cause it was kind of a big opportunity for him. For whatever reason, Drew Samia hasn't been practicing. He must be hurt with something. Um, you know, Hinton kind of, okay, here's your second team reps, go do something with them. And he didn't really get there. Uh, and then you had Zach Bailey as well, who didn't have that great a game. So I, I, I think on the interior, oh, and I should say Dakota Dozier had a very good game. How about that? Mason Cole, Dozier, like the interior line on the whole was like really, really good. Uh, and even Kyle Hinton, I guess there's argument that maybe he was secretly good or something. I just didn't see it. Uh, and the tackles struggled a little more, and I think that might be a good preview for the Vikings. Um, you know, you're going to have to deal with some Rashad Hill mistakes, but hey, at least, you know, you're not getting cl- clobbered up the middle every play. And then, of course, uh, there's the tight ends, who I thought both of them had really bad, or all three of them had really bad games. Um, Irv Smith was good. Uh, I, I don't even remember Tyler Conklin on the field, but whatever. But the backup tight ends, you know, that tight end three job, you've got kind of Brandon Dillon and Zach Davidson and and Brandon Zilstra, and they all made a lot of mistakes. Uh, Zach Davidson really, really, really needs to stop blowing blocks. Um, Brandon Dillon gets beat on blocks too, uh, again, with, or did I say Brandon Zilstra? Shane Zilstra. Shane Zilstra had uh, some troubles as well, although I didn't notice him really as much, and he seems to be last on the depth chart right now, which is actually surprising to me. Uh, I, I kind of thought he would be ahead of, of Davidson pre-camp, but I think after seeing camp in a couple preseason games, I guess that makes sense. Um, so nobody really pulled ahead in that tight end three race, which again, unfortunate because Tyler Conklin didn't play. That's probably why I didn't notice him. Uh, with him out, you have a lot of opportunities for Brandon Dillon, who got the first team reps, uh, and Zach Davidson and Zilstra to all kind of use that time. Go make a play with the ones. Go show that you deserve the roster spot, and nobody's really gotten there yet. So I want to talk about the defense, too, because obviously the defense was a star. The offense kind of failed. Um, you know, the pass catchers were all pretty quiet. The quarterbacking was so bad that it kind of makes it hard to evaluate those guys. Yeah, you had protection, but really the it, it was all about the quarterbacks. But the defense uh, was a terror, an absolute Nightmare for the Colts, uh, and there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff to get to, so I want to get to all that. But first, I want to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is the tastiest protein bar out there. It's all covered in 100% chocolate. Well, now look, if you want a candy bar, let's say you want a Mounds with you know coconut and chocolate, but you're uh, maybe trying to lose or maintain weight. Maybe you're doing keto and you don't want to fall off the wagon. Built Bar is perfect. Coconut protein bar covered in 100% chocolate. Or throw an almond in there if you're, uh, there's a coconut almond flavor if, if you're into that instead. In fact, they have nine delicious main flavors like chocolate raspberry, chocolate orange, uh, cherry barcia cookies and cream, and the coconut ones I mentioned. 
you can get a sampler box, which is just two bars of each of the nine, so you can get what you want I, I, or, or figure out what you like. I, that's my recommendation. And they have some specialty ones that pop up on the website every once in a while, too. So go check that out. That is at built.com. Builtbar.com also takes you there. But you can get built. go to built.com and enter promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. You get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. I also want to talk to you about your car. It is hot out. Take care of it. And if your car has a problem, you don't want to be stranded on the side of the freeway on a muggy, you know, 90-something day. Make sure your car is stocked up with the essentials, jumper cables, a tire repair kit, uh, you know, flashlight, all that stuff. You can get all that stuff at a brick-and-mortar auto shop, and they're going to upsell you because you're a retail customer, and they actually have secret back alley prices for their wholesale people. Rock Auto doesn't do any of that rockauto.com is a family company they've been selling car parts online for like 15 years so they know what they're doing and they won't upcharge you like the brick and mortar places will they allow you to buy the same supplies and parts directly from the manufacturers instead of going through a retail joint you can get the exact same parts from the same factory line and everything but you can mark them down quite a bit by going through Rock Auto instead. So go to rockauto.com, enter your make, your year, and your model, and they'll make sure you're getting something that is compatible with your car. Everything from, you know, the classic stuff like an ice scraper to, uh, you know, deep, like, gaskets and valves and, and canisters and things that, that you need if you're a true DIYer or you just like working on your car. That is at rockauto.com. And at checkout, there's a how you heard about us section. Make sure you let them know that Locked On sent you. Because if you don't, the bunnies will have to burn down the bunny hotel that they are currently staying at. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All right, so let's talk about the defense. And I guess when I think of the defense in this game, the first name that pops to my mind is Troy Dye, probably because he scored the touchdown. Um, the Vikings now have one preseason touchdown. It is a defensive one. <laughs> it's very on brand for Mike Zimmer. Uh, but it was a, a really good play. Um, it looked to me live that Stephen Weatherly got a hand on it. I actually think that was Armin Watts. Um, and then uh, Bashad Breland was in really good coverage, tipped the ball up, and Troy Dye catches it and houses it. Awesome. Uh, and Troy Dye, on the whole, had a good game outside of that, too. I thought he was in the right place a lot. Um, I don't think he overran too many things or, or got out of space and... He didn't get like out-muscled at, at points of attack like he would in 2020. He does seem like an improved player, and he's also kind of on the roster bubble, so a big game like this against Indianapolis is huge for him. But the whole first-team defense played really, really, really well. They let up a couple of drives that ended up being mid-distance mid field goal attempts, um, but you know they didn't let up a touchdown for the whole game. None of the, the defenses did. Uh, and you also got to see kind of the first taste of some of these new players like Michael Pierce finally suits up, plays a game for the Purple, Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, those guys had really, really excellent games, and there was a lot of runs up the middle that just went nowhere. Uh, they gave up a push on like a third and one, I think, once or twice. But other than that, like really, really solid stuff. And then you also have the battle between Stephen Weatherly and DJ Wanham for a starting, a starting edge role. Uh, and Mike Zimmer after the game actually said, yeah, I think we know who it's going to be, but they don't. So going off of that, if they've made a decision based off of what we've seen, it's got to be Weatherly. Weatherly had a really, really good game. DJ Wanham was fine, but Weatherly really shined in this one, and I, I think he has to be the one that gets the job there. Um, a, a lot of pressure, really knifing in for uh, run stops and stuff. Really, really good game for him. 
Um, I mentioned Bashad Breland. He was in sticky coverage all night. Really, uh, really great game for him. Interestingly, Chris Boyd played, I think he played most of the game. It played like three quarters, and he got the start over Cameron Dantzler, which people are trying to untangle. I think that's really, really interesting. Um, I do not think Chris Boyd has outplayed Dantzler by any stretch of the imagination throughout camp or the first uh, preseason game. So I wonder if they're just kind of giving him some time with the ones to that sometimes that's a, you know, hey, go take this opportunity because we're deciding whether or not we're going to cut you. Um, I don't know, maybe he did leapfrog Dantzler, and I'm just wrong about that. But I don't think that's the case. Um, Dantzler gave up one catch, but otherwise was solid. Um, Boyd made a couple good plays, gave up a couple bad plays. Uh, and then, you know, the third teamers got in when it was Harrison Hand also had a very, very good game as a nickel corner. Um, really feeling good about him as like a backup nickel. Mackenzie Alexander uh, also played well. Um, I've already talked a lot about Troy Dye, but Chaz Surratt and I, I think it was Ryan Connolly who went in after Kendricks went out. Um, all had, uh, Chaz Surratt had another like up and down game. Um, I know PFF graded it really poorly. I, I noticed he made some plays. He made a really great special teams play um, and he's still kind of getting the hang of being in the right place, um, but he plays really hard and for a linebacker that counts for a lot. Uh, and I, I I think his tackling was like pretty good too, which is nice, you know, tackling form and stuff. That's really nice for a guy new to the position. So I, I was inc more encouraged than discouraged with what I saw from Chaz Surratt. Um, and Ryan Connolly made a ton of plays. Um, and oh, Nick Vigil, of course, also made a couple plays, but he and Kendricks didn't play all that much. There was no Anthony Barr in this one. He's still dealing with something or other. No Daniil Hunter. A lot of players, uh, pretty much anybody who's dealing with any kind of ailment was held out of this game. It's very clear the Vikings are not interested in aggravating any injuries. And uh, it seems to me like they're using the preseason more as an evaluative tool than a, than a warm-up. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with that. But yeah, that's you don't need to evaluate Daniil Hunter, right? And then, of course, you have uh, the twos. I thought Jalen Holmes and Hercules Mata'afa both had much better games than they did against Denver. Um, I did not notice much from Patrick Jones or Janarius Robinson while they were in. Uh, you had uh, Orman Watts had a fantastic game as the second team uh, defensive tackle, which is great because he had a really rough one. And James Lynch sat this one out. He's been dealing with something. So that kind of battle where James Lynch was kind of maybe threatening the roster spot a little bit. I, I think if Lynch makes the team, he has to be as a 10th defensive lineman. And then you have the corners, right? So of, if I were to like rank the games of the corners, I'd probably say, you know, Breland was the best. I, P, uh, Patrick Peterson didn't play. He probably won't play any of the preseason. Then Mackenzie Alexander had a nice day. Then I would probably say Dantzler, then Boyd. But I don't know. I, I just saw Boyd get beat a lot. And then you kind of go down to, well, no, uh, put Harrison Hand above Dantzler. Harrison Hand had like a genuinely good day. And then probably Dantzler, then Boyd, then... Uh, you can go down to the the Perry Nickersons and the Dylan Maben, who uh, Maben was terrible again, and he got cut. Um, and then there's Ty Smith. Uh, it was there was a really funny tweet from Mark Craig, who said that that he would take Ty Smith over Cameron Dantzler. And like after tweeting that, Ty Smith gave up like three catches. <laughs> like, try harder to have a hot take, buddy. Uh, I I I feel. I don't know. Inclined to like cape for Dantzler a little bit. He got beat on one over route. And he got beat on the deep post last week. That's kind of it. Um, and he actually had a really good tackle on a what I guess would be an undercall from the outside. I don't know what to call it. Um, good tackle for a, a short game. Good pass stop. 
and uh, look, get beat for two big gains over two games. I mean, that's enough to maybe call it a bad game for a cornerback, but I don't know. It, he's not getting like lit up left and right, and people are kind of proposing to replace him as the primary backup quarterback with guys who have like had worse games alongside him. Like, hey, Boyd had a good game against Denver, um, but he wasn't that good in this one. And, you know, somebody like Ty Smith, who is maybe the worst corner I've ever seen in camp. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, he's not a perfect corner. He's not a superstar. He played, had a couple of really good games last year um, where he played like a superstar. I don't think that's going to be like who he is. That's okay. Um, but I think he, I don't know, he's the primary backup. He lost the job to Bashad Breeland. That is fine. And then at safety, um, Cameron Bynum, I thought he had a better game. He still made a couple of mistakes. He still played it a little soft, but it's difficult when you're having a... He, he gave up a slant from like a safety alignment, and then he actually uh, contested one later, and it turned into another interception by Jordan Scott. Um, so I, a better game, but still up and down. And Miles Dorn, I think, outplayed Josh Metellus from scrimmage, but Josh Metellus continues to make plays on special teams, and for that fourth safety spot, it kind of more important what you do on special teams so I don't know if Miles Dorn gets this job or not but I'm actually kind of really curious about that battle it's really it's it's a lot more difficult for me to make sense of it it's hard for me to evaluate safeties anyways so I'm curious to see how that one turns out uh tomorrow would be Twitter Tuesday but it is not going to be Twitter Tuesday because I will be traveling uh up the east coast while there's a hurricane and I didn't want to deal with a podcast so I am I'll be safe and everything don't worry but I had a pre-recorded episode we're going to talk a little bit of Kirk Cousins tomorrow and then we'll be back to live stuff I'll cover all the cuts and stuff on Wednesday and we'll probably do a Twitter show then as well so keep your questions for now I'll put out a call for them later but Twitter Tuesday is not going to be on Tuesday this week because of weird travel stuff Uh, but I will talk to you tomorrow from the past uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL and the show's on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. See y'all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.